Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Honey in the house. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's 2021. So be it. Let's see what we're going to talk about today. And by the way, if you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. We always say it. We always mean it. So I have a quote here from strategyand.pwc.com for our opening buzz quote. And just so happens we have somebody from PwC on the show. Maybe a coincidence, I don't know. Here's the quote. Many organizations are looking to make significant investments in data assets. Oh, that could be our topic. But without the appropriate strategy, they run the risk of putting the cart before the horse and making poor and regressive investment decisions. Just let that sink in for a second there. So our key phrase here is data assets. So let me talk to you a little bit about the topic before I ask my guests to introduce themselves. Companies without an outcome-driven data strategy will fail to generate value from that data. What's the goal? The goal is to become a data-driven intelligent enterprise. Why? It'll help you build resilience and succeed in times of crisis and beyond. And if 2020 wasn't a time of crisis and beyond, I don't know what was in modern times. The intelligent use and smart discovery, there's that word smart, of all data will determine whether your organization and specific roles can survive. Let me throw out a couple of those roles and they might resonate with our listeners. The CDO, the head of data and analytics, Chief Information Security Officer, the head of IT, the head of architecture. Okay. According to a survey of CXX executives by New Vantage Partners, only 38% of those surveys have created a data-driven organization. 38%. That's not a lot. 26.8%. That's a lot fewer. Report not much success at building a data culture. And good news, 50% do report treating data as a business asset. What's the problem? Well, 91% said it's people. Uh-oh. It's process. It's culture. And a few, about 40%, said it's organizational alignment. But very few, fewer than 10%, blamed technology. So we're going to talk today about artificial intelligence, machine learning, which are introducing new ways of creating business value that will fundamentally impact the data value chain. There's another key phrase. I have SAP's Wolfgang Epting with us today. We have Wolfgang Sock, S-O-C-K, from PwC, and we have Maria Villar from SAP. And we're going to ask for their input, their take on our very important topic, generating value from data, from pious wish to reality. What a beautiful title. I think we blame that on Wolfgang Epting. Lovely title. Shout out to Dana Corder at SAP for managing this episode. I'm Bonnie D. Graham again. Welcome to Internet of Things with Game Changers. Let's get started. Mr. Wolfgang Epting, it's been a while since I've spoken with you. I'm going to put you on speaker view now. Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience in case a few people don't remember you from the last time you were on. Tell them a little bit about what you do, Wolfgang, and what's your passion for our topic about data today. Welcome, Wolfgang. Yeah, thank you, Bonnie, for having me again. So I'm glad to be um, part of this show. And um, I'm also very happy that I was able to convince Maria Villar and Wolfgang Sock from PwC also be to be part of the show and to share their vast uh, knowledge and experience um, with the audience. 
I'm a data enthusiast. I started my career as a database administrator in a small and medium um, business uh, company, and I learned to love data. And um, after 20 years, I decided to um, to move to a very large organization, IBM, where I was uh, responsible for data governance um, solution as a technical sales consultant. Afterwards, um, I moved to Informatica and I'm now with SAP, helping our companies to implement data strategies with the help of our uh, technology. Thank you. Thank you very much, Wolfgang. Tell me something, you're the one I believe who wrote the title for this episode. From Pious Wish to Reality. Can you translate that for us, please? It's a very poetic or more type, <laughs> of, very lyrical type of title we don't usually have on these business shows. So, Wolfgang, can you translate that for us? What, what are we talking about, Pious Wish? Who is Pious Wish, is it? Just give me a, a minute or so. Yeah, not really sure. I think uh, data is everywhere. Um, there is no conversation um, without touching um, data. But uh, if you look at the numbers that you just presented, the question is why do, do so um, less companies really get data or value out of data? What is the reason behind and how can we help them? So um, often I see that um, management is... Um, taking data, data strategy very serious, but um, they do not, they are not successful, successfully in implementing data strategies in order to get the most value out of their data. And this is what it's all about um, today. Thank you very much. And the implication of pious wish is that they really want to get that value out of the data, right? The motivation is there. The goal is there. The purpose is there, but they haven't gotten to that reality yet. And that's what we're going to help them with. Thank you very much, Wolfgang. Pleasure to have you back. Mr. Wolfgang Sox, since you both have the same first name, I'm going to use full names for both of you. So we don't, we had quite a debate, by the way, on our prep call about how should I address just by the initial, by their middle names, which both start with A. So we're going to go with full names, Mr. Wolfgang Sock. Welcome. This is your first time on Game Changers Radio. Happy to have you. And why don't you please introduce yourself to the audience? Tell us a little bit about what you do, what your role is at PwC. How did you get to that role and what's your passion for the topic? Go ahead. Thank you, Bonnie. Yeah. Um, thank you for being here. Also to Wolfgang Epting. And you see, this is already one of the famous um, problems in data management, duplicates. And it looks like a duplicate, but it does not. It, it is not a duplicate. So we have really two Wolfgangs here. Um, Wolfgang Zock, my name. I'm a PwC and I lead a small group um, for data management um, in industries. Um, actually, I'm Originally, I'm, uh, I studied physics, and then I went in industry, and I did all the waves on, of internet. And um, at a certain point in time, data came up. So I, uh, I like very much the word um, Wolfgang has um, introduced, data enthusiasts. And I'm a data enthusiast or data fan and doing everything around um, data. So first in companies, but now doing this as a consultant and um, developing data strategies, setting up data governance frameworks, implementing MDM um, solutions. And um, yeah, it, it has been a, a long journey right now. You see it in my, with my haircut. <laughs> And, um, ah, we are on the radio, so it's a uh, great Oh, shape. but there's, vi there's video. People might see oh. the video eventually, so. <laughs> yeah, so that, um, doing everything in consulting around data management and coming on from, from um, consumer products and manufacturing industries. 
Well, nice to have you here. Thank you very much for joining us, Wolfgang Sock. Is there a derivation to your last name? Yeah, it's a bit uh, near to Socks, yeah. <laughs> so. Okay, thank you. Maria Villar is up next. Maria, I thought I had met you on a previous show, and I said, oh, welcome back, and you told me it was your first time. So we're very happy to have you. I know you're a colleague of Wolfgang Eptings, and Maria, why don't you introduce yourself? Give us the pleasure of knowing a little bit about your background, and what's your passion for this very interesting topic? Maria, welcome. Yep, thanks, Bonnie. Yes, no, I think last year we tried to get me on board, but uh, it was a little complicated, but I want to thank you for inviting me and thank Wolfgang. He, he is very persuasive. So Maria Villar, and I'm a veteran of SAP now for over 10 years. Um, I actually started SAP as being their first chief data officer, so it was an operational role. I had to build up that program from the ground up. I had done it two other times with two other companies, so uh, this was my third foray, uh, and I did that job for seven years. I, I, I kind of think I'm probably one of the longest CDOs that there is. Uh, but then uh, three years ago, I took a different turn in my career, and I'm now advising customers around data, data strategy, business outcomes, data organization. So I've been in this data world now, Bonnie, probably for about 25 plus, give or take, years. And I would go as far to say I'm a little bit more than an enthusiast. I'm, I'm, I'm an evangelist at this point in my career and almost an activist. And so I, I do write a lot about how we have to change, how we have to change companies and have to, how we as CDOs have to behave and act differently in order to get the change we want. So, yeah, I've been on this topic for a while. I say I have the, the, the badges and scars <laughs> Maria, welcome. Are, do you consider yourself an early woman in tech at this level, Maria, being a, a chief data officer, a, an evangelist, an enthusiast, a scientist, every, everything I think you said, advocate? Do you consider yourself early? Uh, because we, we talk, I know, in, I've heard that in Europe, uh, STEM is not that popular. They're not seeing as many women as here in North America getting into the data fields, getting into the tech field. So j just a quick take. What do you what do you think? Uh, how did you get to that level so quickly so many years ago? You know, Bonnie, that's a great question. I actually think there's a lot of first on my side. So I'm Hispanic. I was born in Cuba and came to the United States. And so Hispanic women in technology, super small number. Hispanic women, so I have a computer science degree and a master's as well. Hispanic women in executive management, small number. Hispanic women in technology executive management. So, the, you know, there, there is a lot of that. I never kind of felt like it was, a, it, it was getting in my way. It was just a topic that I, that I loved and I worked for companies, by the way, including IBM. So Wolfgang, I don't know why I never ran into you in IBM, but, but I was in IBM as well. And um, yeah, it is a topic that, that seems certainly technology where women are not as well represented. Uh, but there are quite a few CDOs who are women, though, and I don't know what that says, but, but uh, it certainly, uh, it, it certainly is a, an interesting career because it bridges technology and business, and it is a language mm -hmm. of business, and I think it attracts, um, it attracts women as well because you have to be very cooperative, too. Um, and oh, dear. <laughs> 
I like the cooperative, collaborative, cooperative. Yes, we can think of a lot of adjectives. I'm an early woman in tech. Somebody told me recently, Maria, I was a programmer analyst. We used to put those two words together back in the day in the 1970s. And I was actually programming in COBOL on a Xerox Sigma 6 CP5 back in the key punch days. And I was running a system for the state of Oregon. Uh, in the community college division, I, I had, in addition to my bachelor's degree in psychology, I went for a couple of degrees in computer science, computer operations and programming, got twin degrees. They hired me right out of that part of my, my graduate school was a community college because I got two associate of science degrees. Who cared? And they hired me right out of my degrees and had me run a statewide operation uh, information system. And then I went to the IBM 4341. We were still key punching and then we moved to online editing to data entry where we didn't have those decks but I remember fondly carrying those boxes of key punch cards <laughs> it was when computer rooms now we have phones this is basically a everything that we had uh, when a computer room was the size of a warehouse and they had tiles Wolfgang sock do you remember any of this or Wolfgang Epting they had uh, tiles on the floor and they had a magnetic, it looked like a carpet layers tool and they pulled up the tiles and the wiring was underneath and the computers were big boxes with lights and bells and whistles and you walked into this inner sanctum of data processing and there was an operator there and they had JCL job control language and you had to run your programs through a compiler and it was all very, very basic. It was PL1 on the IBM 4341. So, and somebody told me I was an early woman in tech and I didn't know that. I thought that was a synonym for mature or seasoned, but we'll go with early woman in tech. So anyway, I found it absolutely fascinating. Wolfgang Sock, anything you want to say about that? You lean forward. Absolutely. Uh, so um, at that time, I would say data was even more precious at this time yeah, because yes. you had to punch it into <laughs> the punch cards. Yeah. So you had to be very careful at that time. Yeah. That's, yeah, you didn't want them to yeah. fall on the floor because if they fell on the floor, you're in trouble. <laughs> I, I remember getting a call from an operator one night around three in the morning, and he said we had an ABN. That means it's not an abort. It meant the program got stuck. It it wouldn't process. Three in the morning was the overnight operator. He said. He said, Bonnie, your program uh, abended. And I, I woke up, I sat at the end of the bed, it was dark, and I said, uh, okay, what number? And he said it was card number 583. And I said, give me a second. And I closed my eyes and I said, okay, go back three cards, put it back in, just, go, just back up the program a couple of cards and put in a zero on the panel. And I'm going to sit here in the dark and think about this for about three minutes. And if you don't call back, that means it ran and I'm going back to sleep. And it ran. <laughs> Because you knew your cards. These were programs, sometimes with 2,000 lines of code. You knew your programs inside and out. They were part of you. You lived anyway. You're right, Wolfgang Sock. Data, data, data. We were dealing with massive amounts of data, but we didn't call it big data. We didn't talk about velocity. We didn't talk about volume. It was data, right? You had to do something with it. Somebody told you, we, we need this report. You took that report. You processed it. And hopefully, answers came out that were usable information to the people on the other end. That was it. Maria, you want to say something? No, I think it's, yeah, I, I think it's true that, that uh, we've come a long way in terms of data, but some of our problems are still the same around data, right? The, 
recognizing the role that that business people have to play. This is not just zeros and ones. This is this is a and this is why we have these inhibitors that we have. Is everybody thinks, oh, it's a it's a technical problem, but um, changing the way we deal with this asset is not about uh, zeros and ones. Absolutely, and I think yeah, that's so what, funny. Yes, go funny. ahead, Wolfgang. Did, this is yes. Wolfgang speaking. Maybe you remember there was another language. Um, the, um, beside COBOL and PL1, it's, it was called Assembler. And I started also my career yes! with yes! programming COBOL and um, I had to write a program in Assembler. And yes! maybe you remember that um, programming in Assembler was with the screwdriver a little bit. So there you had statements to move an address from a register in a large mainframe to another register. That was your, your statement. And I quickly realized that this is not my world. So I became a database <laughs> administrator. <laughs> and um, so IBM invited me um, when I was at the customer side uh, to a study tour to the Santa Teresa laboratory. And I was fascinated how it would how it was possible to develop such a database system like DB2 on the mainframe mm -hmm. at that time. And um, so data, so I learned um, to, <laughs> to love data and what you can do with, with um, data. Very well put. I remember assembler. Of course, I remember assembly language. <laughs> and I remember one of our tasks in school was we had to come up with our own fake language and write a compiler for it. And we had to do it in teams and we hardly knew each other. So three or four people on a team, we had to come up with a nonsense language and make a compiler, define the terms and come up with something that would actually run a program. It was, I think those were the glory days actually, because it was fascinating. This was the late seventies and I admit that. And it was just a time of, Wow, wow, wow. What is this stuff? What what am I doing? How do we get information into this machine? How do we get stuff out? How can we help people do their jobs and understand reporting? And it was it was fascinating. The idea of starting with a blank page and writing a program, right, Wolfgang Epting and Wolfgang Sock and Maria, the idea of saying I know Bob in, in the accounting department needs to know how many full-time equivalents for how many teachers, for how many students at 14 different colleges spread across the state of Oregon. And I'm going to be the one who's going to be able to give him that information that he can use in the business of running the college, right? So it was was a business. Anyway, I digress. Thank you all for joining in on that. I thought it'd be interesting to talk about the good old days. Let's go to the part of the show where my guests have sent me quotes from movies or songs that have absolutely nothing to do with the topic, but they're going to tell us in their own words how the quotes relate. So Wolfgang Epting has sent us a quote from Sherlock Holmes, the 2009 period mystery action film. Sherlock Holmes, played by Robert Downey Jr., says to Dr. Watson, played by Jude Law, here's the quote, never theorize before you have data. Invariably, you end up twisting facts to suit theories instead of theories to suit facts. I did a terrible impersonation of Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Wolfgang Epting, rescue me, please. I know it has data in it, and I let you use it because it's a great quote. So how does that relate to our topic today? Go ahead. Yeah, have you ever wondered why when you are planning to buy a Snow White Capriolet, you suddenly encounter so many Snow White Capriolets that you did not even uh, notice before on your way? Yes, yeah, this can only be a proof that there is nothing better than driving a snow white cabriolet, isn't it? <laughs> Believing what you want to believe and looking for evidence that your opinion is correct is a deep um, human quality. 
So it's the same with business decisions with the little difference that they sometimes have a little bit more impact than buying a car. We have to collect and evaluate all available data and facts impartially in order to come to the best decision for our company. This sounds easy, but in practice, it's hardly possible because it's deep in our human nature to be controlled by many biases. And what Sherlock Holmes postulated very early on is what we would call data literacy in our modern world. Mm -hmm. The ability to handle data and analytics in a major and adult manner. And this is how it correlates to data. Thank you very much. I love the quote, and I know we have, there's another famous quote from that movie and from the writings of Sherlock Holmes, something about uh, data, data, data. How can I, how can I know the facts I need? The data is the bricks of knowing the facts, something like that. How can you, how can you uh, build bricks without clay? I without, think. And, without mortal, I think it's, uh, so data is, is um, the model from yes. for Sherlock Holmes. Yes, that's Which is, the other quote. Interesting, because you wouldn't you wouldn't expect a movie like that to, to use that type of language and reference something that we can actually figure out that relates to our modern world. We're so hooked on data, data, and here is, is something from another century, and they were talking about data and facts. Thank you very much, Wolfgang. Wolfgang Sock has picked a quote from another very famous movie, The Dead Poets Society. In 1989, they consider it a teen drama film. I found that interesting, Wolfgang Sock. And uh, let me see who I've starred, the late, great Robin Williams, who left us way too soon. It's said in 1959 in a fictional elite conservative Vermont, U.S., boarding school, Welton Academy, the story of an English teacher, very interesting guy who inspires his students through an unorthodox teaching of poetry. So here is the quote from the teacher, instructor John Keating, played by Robin Williams. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. I get goosebumps listening to that quote. Wolfgang Sock, how did you pick this quote and what does it have to do with our topic? Please go ahead. Yeah, thank you, um, Bonnie. So uh, first, uh, so teenage dramas keeps me young, probably. <laughs> and um, second, I didn't want to change the the original quote, and I didn't want to to spoil the altruistic message of it. Uh, but you could add data on it. So uh, words and ideas can change the world, and as well data. Yeah. So it is about um, a fact based and and evidence based uh, approach and. Um, a discussion or a storyline completely changes when it's underlined with with correct data. So um, I think, and and also it it, um, it comprises, let's say, this enthusiasm. So thinking about I can change something. Either it could be in in society in in changing um, um, uh, uh, what you're saying and. Um, a certain topic and then and, and, uh, political uh, reception of a topic by data, or I can change the the the, the, so, the cells of a of a product by by um, the right data uh, underneath. Yeah? So this is why I chose this for, um, this quote. Thank you. I appreciate the choice of the quote, and that was a wonderful movie, and certainly one of the more serious roles Robin Williams played. He was an iconic and very, very talented comedian. And I read that every time he came out on a live comedy gig, 
everybody thought the in the material was fresh in the moment, but he had studied it and learned it and learned how to speak it and say it and make the audience think it was the first time he had just come up with it. And he kept everything very fresh and new. He was a very talented actor. I digress. Let's go to Maria Villar's quote. Maria selected a quote. We've got another famous movie, Harry Potter. And this is a quote from Albus Percival. Wolfric, Brian, I like how Brian got in there, Dumbledore, fictional character in J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series. For most of the series, he is a headmaster, another teacher of the wizarding school Hogwarts. As part of his backstory, it's revealed he is the founder and leader of the Order of the Phoenix, an organization dedicated to fighting Lord Voldemort, the main antagonist of the series. And here is what Dumbledore, played by the late Richard Harris, tells Harry Potter, played by Daniel Radcliffe, quote, it is our choices, Harry, that show what we truly are far more than our abilities. Maria, take me there. What does this have to do with data? Go ahead. You know, I think this applies in so many ways. It really is a moving quote. It can certainly uh, apply to you personally, right, about the choices that you have to make. You can be the smartest person in the world, but the choices that you make about your life and what you do with it. But it also makes a lot of sense from a data strategy perspective, right? So a data strategy is all about choices. And and so you could have in your company all the great technical capabilities and, you know, that new vantage, that new vantage survey played to that that said, hey, it's not about the technology. You can have all the great technology in the world, but it's really about the choices you make. How do you use the technology how do, you, how do you get the people and the processes involved? And, you know, I like to say that in the world of data, there's, ne- there's never going to be enough people and resources and money to deal with um, all of the opportunities and capabilities and risk. And so you have to make choices. And so that's why that quote to me, it, the, uh, the strategy choices is the really resonated. Plus personally, though, too. Thank you very much. Very, very true. Thank you all for doing the work on picking interesting movie quotes. I appreciate all great, great classic topics and and great movies. So I appreciate that very much. Wolfgang Epting, now's the time of the show when we're going to the formal round of discussion on statements all of you sent me before the show. And I have selected Wolfgang Epting statement number one. It's long. I'm going to read just a little bit of it. Wolfgang Epting, I'll ask you to expand it for about, oh, two and a half minutes or so. And then we will do what I call the magic sauce. I'll invite Wolfgang Sock to chime in and agree or disagree with what Wolfgang Epting says. See, I am using last names. And then we'll ask Maria to chime in and agree or disagree with either or both of you. She's got the heavy lifting here. Then I'll pick a statement from Wolfgang Sock. We'll go around the table and one from Maria and let's see how much we can cover. So here's the statement from Wolfgang Epting. To treat data as an enterprise asset, all classifications for the same data should be viewed and managed collectively in one catalog. Business leaders can then make strategic, informed decisions based on the enterprise risk and value of the data. Great opening statement. Mr. Epting, please take it over. What are we talking about here? Yes. So how can we expect senior executives to treat data as an enterprise asset when all departments still operate in siloed data worlds with a collection of siloed data projects? 
when there is no clear view of data, it is impossible for decision makers to lay the foundation for the journey for a data-driven company. So different personas have different data valuation methods in the company. A chief privacy officer classifies PII. A security officer classifies data document as confidential public eternal. A chief data officer classifies master data, critical data elements, and data quality. A chief digital officer classifies data by its monetization value. And a chief technology officer or a CIO classifies data by the system and databases where they reside. But to treat data as an enterprise is that all classifications for the same data should be viewed and managed collectively in one catalog. Only then business leader can make strategic decisions based on the enterprise um, risk and the value of data. We all observed how companies behave when they are truly serious about something, how the goal changes from incremental progress to rapid transformation, how they master both breadth and depth of resources, how they align and train people, how they communicate new values and new ways of working, and how senior leaders drive the effort. So the contrast with most companies, data programs is very stark. One can only conclude that many are not yet serious about data and data science. Mm. For those only beginning to explore data, this may be understandable, but if you deal with data for some time, it is not the time to get serious, to address your mistakes and or to invest your resources elsewhere. And the consequent would be to take the risk to lose out to competitors. Thank you. Very interesting. Uh, the part about the silos and the different different meaning to different groups is interesting. Wolfgang Sock, I'm going to ask you to agree or disagree with any or all of what Mr. Epting said, and let's hear from you, Wolfgang Sock. Yes, absolutely. I agree with this, um, but you have to do it in a clever way. Uh, so, um, if you take a look on on what is happening now with um, with data, it's really the basis of all activities, um, mainly economic activities, but also social um, activities. And um, so it's, it, it should be treated precious. Now, we are also here in Internet of Things. So there's an enormous amount of uh, data coming up by sensors. Yeah. Um, so you need transparency. You need you need an overview of which data you have, how you can access it, where, where is the source of the data. You need to categorization. One of the biggest problems right now is coming from GDPR or in, in German DSGVO, uh, where you have to categorize data which has a relationship to a person yeah, and you need to, to treat it in a special way. So you need this um, overview. When I say um, you have to do it in a, in a clever way, the point is that it's, um, it, it, it will be difficult yeah, because we have a lot of data objects and data attributes. So it's, um, you need really um, technology power and brain power to establish a, a good, good um, catalog system and integrating with other, other companies yeah, because you, you will be in exchange with other companies and then you need, um, um, you need, the, the definition of all your data objects and attributes as well. Thank you very much, Maria. A lot to talk about. Point of view, go ahead. Yeah, there's so much to unpack in what both Wolfgang, um, both Wolfgangs have said. So let me start with with uh, my fellow colleague at SAP. 
Um, so what I want to kind of enhance is the discussion about these different data voices. So I call them different data voices in companies, right? Mm. The, C, the chief data officer, the chief analytic officer, the chief privacy officer, the CTO, the chief security, all of us. And this is one of those topics, Bonnie, where I say I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate and, and almost a, you know, evangelist is that we need to change as a community and we need to come together from a data strategy perspective and in this area of classification and categorization, uh, we must come together with one, you know, one voice to our executives. Our executives are overwhelmed by all of us trying to come in with our different points of view and trying to make investment decisions about data when they hear different parts of that classification. So absolutely, I agree that we um, have to come together, have a data voice, have one classification that's complete. Um, but also what, what Wolfgang said about it had to be smart. I mean, the, re the reason why we don't do some of this stuff is because it's hard. Uh, and so we have to get over, one, the organizational inertia to work together as data voices. But two, how do we make the collection of all of this easy? Um, and that's where we can use things like artificial intelligence and some automation to make it easier for, for mere mortals to be able to do that role. Mere mortals. Boy, you got a couple of interesting comments in there, Maria. Data voices. Yes. I haven't heard. Is that an original Maria Villar? Are we copywriting it? Yes. Yes. Actually, in many, in, in the article, um, Wolfgang quoted my article, um, and I do start to talk about data voices. I, and I, you know, it's in the past when we started, uh, when I started my career, there, there was only one data voice. It was the CIO. Um, and they represented data. But now then the chief data officer came around and now they represented data and so did the CIO. But now we're talking about, like I said, the chief analytic officer. Um, sometimes they're the chief analytic and data officer, the chief privacy officer, the chief security officer. There are the mm -hmm. chief technology officer. All of them, if they have it in your company, have a point of view around data, but it's siloed. So how do we represent data as an asset when all of these um, siloed points of view are out there. We need, that's what having a business outcome data strategy starts to unify. It's not about our silo, but the outcome the company's trying to establish. And how do we do all of that um, in, within the strategy? Thank you. Wolfgang Epting, what an interesting first starter comment, uh, your statement to our, our roundtable discussion. Mr. Epting, anything you want to say back to your two colleagues on the panel? Any comments back? <laughs> no, I think uh, um, both agreed to my statement, so nothing to add. Okay, <laughs> good, good, good. All very polite there. Thank you. Good commentary around the table. Wolfgang Sack, I have selected statement number two from your list, although I do want to read number one, which is a follow on to what we just talked about. And then I'll read two. We'll go around the tables. In his first statement, Wolfgang Sack said, whoever wants to be a champion in their industry or profession today needs to be a champion in data management as well. I think that's the, the secondary theme of what we're talking about today. From pious wish to reality, data management, well, data value, data value chain, you need to have people who are managing it, the champions of the management. So thank you for that. Now, statement number two, this is interesting. He says, five of the top seven most valued companies in the world are building on data as an asset. Interesting. That certainly is uh, 
an opportunity for us to have some backup for the statements we're making here if it's if it's in the real world. So Wolfgang Sock, why don't you spend a couple minutes expanding this, unpack it for me, and then we'll see what Maria and Wolfgang Epping have to say. Go ahead. Absolutely. So actually, this um, this is the data level, which proves my first statement. You need to be a champion if you want to be a champion in, in, in your realm. And um, I think we all know those lists of uh, the leading companies. Many are uh, from the US. There's one which comes from Saudi Arabia, Saudi Aramco, which is actually kind of old economy, so representing oil business. This is the only one which is not in the top five, uh, which is in the top five, but which is not uh, data-driven. The others, um, um, yeah, namely Amazon, uh, Facebook, and, 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 and even Tesla, they're quite data-driven. You can take out probably Apple. Um, but there you see, so these are modern company, extremely successful companies, and what they all can do, they are capable to manage their data. Absolutely. Yeah. So they are champions in the data management, and I I'm really strongly believe they are also, this is the basis for, for, for the success, so at least one aspect of, of, um, of the basis for their success. Um, yeah, and I would extend it. Um, so uh, if you take a look on, on, on today's uh, volume of data, so it's um, 33 zettabytes. Uh, this is a, t um, a 10, um, how do you say it in English, um, exposed 21 in, 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 in figures. In, it's an extremely big amount of data. And um, this will even increase until um, 2025 to um, 175 zettabytes. Yeah? Um, so we will have to think about method and means how to deal with this um, with this amount of data. A lot have to be done in with automation. Yeah, this uh, links to. Um, to machine learning and artificial intelligence. So it will not be done in manual or even Excel exercise that it needs to be a high ratio of automation. And I think those companies leading in this uh, top seven list, they also can, um, they, they, um, they are champions in automation as well. And last thing I want to add here is um, the story still will go on. It's not only about companies, it will be also about ecosystems too. So all those companies that they have established a surrounding ecosystem around them uh, where you work on, let's say, the same basis of data. So you have uh, exchange of data, you have interoperability of your data, and there will be a competition of data ecosystems in, in the new future, or it has already begun. Um, so also here, uh, to be successful with data, you have to be part of a successful data ecosystem. And you can take a look on this list if, you, if you're looking for one. Thank you. Very interesting. Very well done. Uh, I appreciate it. It's nice to ground what we're talking about. Sounds like theory and strategy, right, Maria? We're talking in big terms. You got to manage your data and you got to get rid of the silos. And then Wolfgang Sock put it in simple terms of this is the reality, kids. Real companies are doing this and look at how successful they are. Or to flip it, look at the successful companies that happen to be doing this as proof that 
other companies need to be doing it. Thank you, Wolfgang. Maria, you're up. Agree or disagree? I think I know where you're going to go, but go ahead, Maria. What do you have to say? You know, there's kind of three topics that I'm going to comment on, right? The first is the word champion in companies. You know, I, I would be a little bit more forceful to say it's not just being a champion, you have to be the salesperson. There is, um, and, and what I've learned in my, my career is it's a misunderstood topic. And, mm. and, and those of us in data usually are pretty boring. I mean, we're introverts by nature. And so we've got to get out of our shell and be able to talk about data from a business perspective and business context perspective. I've spent my whole career learning how to do that. So it's hard. But once I kind of started to do it that way, I, I really got the, the endorsement that we needed. So, you know, comment on champion. Um, interesting comment about the companies that are successful. If you look at the companies that are successful, none of them have a chief data officer. Uh, and, and so that role doesn't exist. Why? Because in within the companies themselves, they know that data and managing data is everybody's role. Um, and that's kind of what we all have to get to is how do we um, how do we embed that that those characteristics and and that responsibility and the accountability into everybody's role because they see the value and the role that they play. And then, you know, the third comment about the more and more data, and I agree with that, there's more and more data. And so we have to get smart about also triaging our data, right? Almost like hospital room, right? It's not all data is the same and not all data needs to be managed as an asset in the same way, but knowing what data is, is most important, what value is most strategic, what, what data doesn't have to be managed, you leave it to the citizens of the company. All of those are kind of the interesting thought processes you have to go through in a data strategy. Thank you. Very interesting. The big companies that Wolfgang Sock mentioned don't even have achieved. I love the way you said data is everybody's job. Mm-hmm. That's like company culture, right? Yeah. Is everybody Absolutely. to participate. That's the meaning of team, not a hierarchy, but flattening it. It's everybody's job, everybody's role. I worked for a correspondent bank in New York many years ago when I was there. I think I was their marketing director or something. And one night, the the, the CEO, the president, uh, we had a big presentation the next day. And he said, everybody stay late. I'll order in pizza or whatever. And I said, you're staying too. And he said, it's everybody's job in this team to make sure we're ready for this presentation tomorrow. Rolled up his sleeves, brought dinner in. There were about eight of us. We were putting together brochures and information packages and everybody, and he said, it's everybody's job to support the success of this part of the company because that was our project. So thank you, Marie. Interesting. Wolfgang Epting, you're up. Let's hear your comments on what Mr. Sock said and what Maria said. Go ahead, Wolfgang Epting. Yeah, two things from my end. Um, if we just only look at the top 10 of the largest companies measured by market cap, I think we forget a little bit that there are a lot of companies who are not able to change their business model to become uh, really um, data-driven. So if you want to help these companies, we have to look a little bit deeper in how you can generate value out of data. So you can use, for example, data for your decision-making process. You can use your data to streamline your processes. And uh, you could 
maybe um, use your data to get new business models or to support the products that you have uh, in the market by more digital information. So it's all about top line, bottom line and um, risk management. Um, so there's a lot, lot of ways um, to, to generate value out of data. Um, and um, so this is um, how companies should uh, look into what is their, their best way to deal with the data. So the other one was um, the digital ecosystems, which I wanted um, to comment. So I think um, the, there we have a constant advancement of digitization and networking in today's world. And so that means value creation and business models are subject to strong pressure. And so I would agree to Wolfgang Sock that digital ecosystems um, as flexible cross-sector data-based association of companies along the data value chain are absolutely on the rise. Two examples for that one is um, if you look at um, master data management, business partner, customer vendor data management, it's highly redundant across um, all the companies. And um, if you have a trusted network of companies, um, it's possible, for example, to share this responsibility and um, to save a lot of money. Another example would, would be to look at the supply chains of the automotive industry. So for example, they could deal with the situation much better if they would work together in digital uh, ecosystems, but they are not prepared. And um, so they do not have the data in the right um, format. They do not have the right data quality. They um, struggle to share sensitive data. But in my opinion, only those companies will be able to continue to be successfully in the market that recognize this development and adjust their data management accordingly. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Wolfgang Sack, anything you want to say back to your co-panelists on that topic? Just very quickly. So yeah. thank you, Maria, for, for pointing on, on these CDO roles in the top seven. I, I Honestly, I didn't check it, but uh, I will do. <laughs> and um, it's, an, it's a nice exercise. It would be very, very interesting. But I like this um, putting responsibility, let's say, on everybody's shoulders. Yeah, um, it, it, it's a culture topic and we feel this in, in, in the project we are doing with companies and um, um, uh, in response to, to Wolfgang, thank you also for, for the, the agreement. Um, I, I just want to comment, please give me a note about the companies where you say they cannot <coughs> change because of their business model. I think it will be very hard to find ones which, which, which are not data driven away where where the data level because yeah i would say we are we are on the way to a fully digitalized world and um all of those business models are relying somehow on data so it would be interesting we, we could talk this after, after this is <laughs> a, a lot more to talk about i'm looking now at the virtual background wolfgang epting has here for those of you who are listening on the radio i'll tell you and it's hashtag give data purpose that's a whole other topic right beyond even beyond what we're talking about but i want to move on we have oh about nine minutes left to the show and i want to cover statement number four from maria villar interesting and i mentioned some of this in my intro maria and we have to cover it so she says including ai artificial intelligence and ML machine learning and IOT, Internet of Things data requirements in the data strategy is required. Maria, why don't you expand this for about three minutes and then we'll see what the two Wolfgang sirs have to say. Go ahead, Maria. 
Oftentimes, um, when you when you're putting together an AI or ML project, you think of data as a as a not part of an overall data strategy. But again, if you go back to what are the business outcomes that you have to generate, and how is data enabling it? You know, AI and ML and IoT is all about how do I make more valid predictions? How do I understand my real time processing and make changes? All of that has to be factored into the data strategy of a business outcome. And the things that are unique about AI and ML and IoT is they're becoming even more and more important uh, now because of COVID. So COVID has made us realize that sometimes the data of the past is not going to help us predict um, and analyze the future because we're talking about whole new business models and you know whole new economics and and so we need real time data and we need um, like IoT is able to provide for us and AI and ML also needs lots of data to train the engines and so in your data strategy you should be thinking about well what is the data I'm going to need in order to build those AI and ML engines especially now given that some of our past data is no longer relevant. So a comprehensive data strategy has to have all the data, all the capabilities tied to an outcome. So start with the outcome and let that drive you to all the data, all the data capabilities. Thank you, Maria. Let's go around the table. Wolfgang Epting, you're sitting next to Maria, whether you know it or not, go ahead. Yeah, I think there is another aspect around AI and data. So what Maria mentioned is that AI needs data, needs a lot of data. But there's the other way around, uh, data needs AI. So enterprise systems has always relied on rules where provided manually by humans and hard-coded in the system, but with the help of AI. However, systems can learn from these rules directly from the data. And AI allows managing data assets in an intelligent and more scalable way. So AI is not only at the core of the digital business model, but it also disrupts the way how data is managed. There are many prom- mispromising usages around uh, AI already existing around the da- uh, data value chain. If you look at data accuracy, completeness, timeliness, everything is improved while the data maintenance efforts are reduced. Thank you. Wolfgang Sack, join me. What do you think? So absolutely agree, yeah. So um, and as I said before, so the volume of data will force us to to use heavily these um, these technologies, ML and and AI and um, machine learning is already today so um, so um, strong, yeah, that it uh, beats um, everything else. But yeah, you you need a certain um, amount of data to train, and I think we will also have a. Um, um, a discussion about the, the algorithms which are programmed and um, the, the consequences, yeah, and um, because um, you have to adapt them and you have uh, you, you have really to have a good controller. I would say the next big thing after day or behind data will be rules and rules management. Thank you very much, Marie. Anything you want to say to wrap up that topic before we go to crystal ball predictions? And I know Mr. Epting is ready with his in just a minute. Maria, I'll give you some wrap up time here. Yeah, no, I, I want to, you know, thank both of the Wolfgangs, but I liked, and I had forgotten about that. It's an important point that AI and ML is also going to help us manage data, right? It's not only we need data, but we have to then apply AI and ML to make data management easier again for mere mortals, right? So that we <laughs> build it into people's work. 
mere mortals. I think that we have our data management giants. We have our voices, our advocates, our evangelists. We have our everything. And yes, mere mortals. I like that. Yes. It, Words it, matter, Bonnie. Words matter. Absolutely <laughs> correct. And I think this week is National Thesaurus Day. So I was just playing thesaurus <laughs> here. Okay, let's go to our crystal. On my Monday night radio show, Read My Lips, Cool Conversations with Creatives, I use a, a calendar of national holidays, most of which I think are made up. But it's things like National uh, Strawberry Shortcake Day. And, and National Baked Beans Day and, and National One is National Thesaurus Day. And that's coming up this week. So in honor of that, we're using a lot of different words here. Wolfgang Epting, I can give you about 45 seconds, just closing in on one minute for your crystal ball prediction, having way too much fun here. And then I have to do some shout outs and thank you. So Wolfgang, what's your prediction? Let's make it 45 seconds on data, data, data everywhere. Go ahead. Yeah, if I want to predict the future, I can look at my two sons, 13 and 17 years old, and to see how they deal with um, data. For an example, my 13-year-old recently had to write a report doing homeschooling. He came to me and said, I cannot find my file. I could help him. I was the hero. But this showed me that this generation does not understand the basics of IT, and they do not have to. And um, so... This is, for me, um, this is a proof that data management will become a matter of course. For the next generation, data will have become something as natural as the water that comes out of the tap. This generation will take one thing. This is one thing what they will take very serious, and this is data privacy and protection. So they do not want to have their personal data somewhere on the web or by a company, and this is how they choose their providers. And if you look at initiatives like um, the uh, European Cloud Management Gaia-X, this is just uh, another proof for this. So I predict the biggest obstacles that we have in our companies today, which is around data culture, will resolve itself when the next generation um, arrives in the professional life. Thank you very much. I like that. So much to talk about on that topic. Wolfgang Sock, you're up. We got about 45 seconds for you. What's your prediction, Mr. Sock? Fine. Great. Yeah. So um, from all what we have discussed here, we are just at the beginning. So it will continue. Mm. The volume will be immense. Yeah. And we will need uh, technology to overcome. The the point in time where we all understood the the bits and bytes, yeah, and uh, you were referring to the the punch holes, um, they are over. We will not understand all bits and bytes, but we need to be uh, trustful in data and the technology managing with this data. And um, as I said, I believe that the ecosystems will be will evolve, and um, we need to be clear that. Um, um, how these ecosystems are working and interacting with. Thank you very much. Maria Valar, you're up. 45 seconds. What you got? The jobs are going to be cool. Um, and everyone's going to have to understand a bit about, about data. When I started, certainly nobody even knew what these jobs were all about. And now they're very much in demand. So um, certainly it's a great profession to get into. And one that um, if you th- look at some of what of the political implications has happened, at least in the U.S., about those that have taken that are, are in analytic jobs that have come forward to speak their mind about the data and the consequences. So it's it's, it's going to be popular and it's going to be very important, a very important voice, by the way. 
Thank you very much. Data heroes, data voices, data advocates, data evangelists. We've got a lot of people with data attached to their title. We need a whole department of data people. Thank you very much to my three panelists. You're all very special, very smart. I appreciate you sharing your knowledge about data and everything in life with us today. A couple of shout outs, Dana Corder. Let's have a round of applause for Dana Corder at SAP who puts together these wonderful panels and topics. We appreciate you, Dana, very much. And thank you to Ira Burke for sponsoring this series and Marsha. Malinowski, who is on Iris team as well. Thank you to Aaron Keller, my engineer and sidekick of Voice America. Thank you, Aaron. Everybody clap for Aaron. And here's my call to action, and I really mean it. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? My car is getting two months to the gallon. How's yours doing? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Wolfgang Epting. Thank you, Wolfgang. Just like Wolfgang Sock, PwC. Thank you, Wolfgang. And just like Maria Villar like Wolfgang Epting, also at SAP. Go out and have a great day and be a game changer. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Happy 2021, we hope. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. 